Good morning, and welcome to episode 497 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from BaseballProspectus.com, presented by the Play Index at Baseball Reference. I'm Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus, and he is Ben Lindbergh of Grantland. How are you, Ben? Very well, thank you. Excellent. Uh, I wonder if us not working together will uh, will improve the banter segments or the opposite. Uh, I don't know. It, I don't know. We either. still still chat all the time and do a podcast every day, so not pretty, as much though. Pretty much the same as before. Mm, not not quite as much. Uh, all right. Um, so should I just go right into the topic of the day? Uh, I have a little bit of banter. Did you see the Andrelton Simmons play? Uh, no, I didn't. I saw a tweet about it and yeah. realized that I've been uh, falling behind on my Angelton Simmons. <laughs> okay, so. well, let's do another edition of Ben Sam's Sam video, and Sam watches it live while everyone listens. I usually do love... Uh, you and I don't generally disagree on Angelton Simmons. I no. Have, disagree I, about flips made by other players, but not yeah, Simmons. I, uh, flips made by other players, and and generally, I think we disagree on anything where the guy, where it's impressive because the guy catches it at the end of his range, mm-hmm. and like that's it, like that's why it's impressive. Like mm-hmm. he ran a long ways and caught it at the end of his range because mm-hmm. knowing the range itself is what would make that play. This is a really bad commercial for a chicken sandwich. <laughs> well, get past that eventually. All right, here we go. Here okay. We go. Okay. Left-handed batter. Mm. Ground ball. You might have to see the replay to appreciate it. Certainly will. Yeah, it was, it was quick. Yeah. It reminds me of when you did your article about Andrelton Simmons plays. There's one gif you included where you showed him like doing the worm off the <laughs> ground in the process of making a play, and it looked like it defied physics. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this kind of looks like that. So the ball was hit to shortstop, but he was in motion toward the toward the third base shortstop hole and then the ball was hit closer to second base so he had to change his trajectory stop and then glove the ball and do this crazy flip to get the the force out at second and contorted himself in a way that you don't often see yeah it's it's a nice play he the thing that always strikes me about Andrelton Simmons kind of more creative plays I mean obviously he has the great arm he has good range. He's smooth. He's got good actions. He makes good plays like everybody makes good plays. But every you know three weeks or so, he makes some play that involves creativity where you just don't see a body move that way. And I, I'm always struck by how good his sort of body control and body awareness is. Like in that play, the momentum of the play, the momentum of his body in stabbing the ball would lead, I think, most of us to turn the other way mm-hmm. and then do a sort of sprawl for the bag, a diving sprawl for the Mm -hmm. bag. And he doesn't do that. He stops his momentum and then takes the shorter route to the bag, which is uh, staying face forward. And that's a really hard play to do. I mean, it takes tremendous, I I assume, nobody's made that play. How would I know if that's a hard play to make? No, Literally nobody in history has ever done that with their body. But, um, you know, it seems like it would take a lot of core strength and uh, balance. But more than anything, it would just, it just sort of takes knowing, uh, precisely the most efficient route to the bag and i'm always surprised when you really break down a great simmons play how there is a an efficiency of motion that um he always takes uh on these creative plays specifically he always takes the step 
right where it needs to be in order for him to shift his momentum right how it needs to go in order for him to clear the runner right when he needs to do it and get the most um, on his throw or whatever the case may be. So I do like this play. I expected him to throw the runner out at first (laughs) from Uh his bum, Mm -hmm. and so I was slightly disappointed by Mm -hmm. that part. Yeah, sorry. Maybe I built it up too much. Just by saying that it was a Simmons play, I raised expectations pretty high. Yeah. So, so I was scanning the headlines before we started recording, as I often do, to see if you know Ryan Webb finished a game or Casey McGee hit a home run, which he did over the weekend. And there was a, a theme to the headlines I saw, and it was players playing through injuries and mm. suffering for it. It was Matt Cain, who has been placed on the disabled list, and it was revealed Last week that he has been pitching through a cranky elbow since spring training. He didn't talk about it. He said, I'm feeling like I'm feeling. Uh, but maybe that has something to do with his his disappointing season. There was another headline about Shinsu Chu and how he regrets playing through his ankle injury, which he suffered on April 21st. And he has been limited by that since. And he said, I made a bad decision. I should have had more rest instead of trying to come back as soon as possible. And then there was Cliff Lee, who returned from the disabled list and didn't pitch great. And he's another guy who, like Kane, was pitching through elbow issues for quite some time before he was finally placed on the disabled list. What is it going to take, do you think, to stop the the scourge of players playing through injuries and suffering for it? I feel like we need need an afternoon special or something where a player plays through injuries and and there's a moral of the story that he shouldn't have done that. Uh, so is it? Uh, do we know that these players? Do we know that these players were playing through injuries without their training staff's knowledge? No, I mean, we we don't actually. In this case, yeah. it might be just the opposite. I think in in these specific instances, yeah. Uh, yeah. we have talked in the past about about cases where the team didn't know either. But in these cases, it seems like they did. Which I don't know whether that makes it better or worse, <laughs> or shifts the blame from one party to another. Um, well, it's all just, you know, we're, we're just making it up as we go along. Everybody is. You, mm-hmm. you just you do your best. I mean, nobody's trying to to lose the best years of their lives. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I have used this analogy before, but if you're um, if you're never if you never miss a flight, you're getting to the airport too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if nobody ever plays through an injury and then gets hurt, then no, people probably aren't playing through enough injuries. I mean, there's a there's a line between pain and injury that isn't always clear and stark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, if the training the training staff certainly knows more than you and I do in this case. So, as long as the training staff's aware of it and there's not this, like, pattern of all the Phillies players uh, playing through injuries and then getting hurt or all the Giants players or all the Rangers players or anything, uh, I would generally say no big deal. Yeah, I mean, you can see see why it happens. The, the Giants have been a, a good team and don't have a lot of starting pitching depth, and so you can see why Kane would want to keep going out there. And, of course, everyone on the Rangers has been hurt, so you can see why Chu wouldn't want to take time off, and maybe even a diminished Chu would be better than, than the next available option. So I guess and it's... And Lee's an old man who's talked about retiring mm-hmm. for, uh, young. So. Mm-hmm. so I guess it's... It's better than the the non-disclosure case. So maybe it's maybe it's progress 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Or just a random grouping of headlines that are slightly similar to each other by chance alone. That could be also. And the other headline I saw at Hardball Talk was a sad one for Sam Miller. The Blue Jays designated Sergio Santos for assignment. That is a sad one. Yeah, I thought about I thought about writing about that. <laughs> actually, that nobody would read it. Is that more or less sad than Chris Medlin getting hurt? Um, more sad. Hmm. Okay. I guess. I don't know. In a way, it's it's much le- at this point. It's much less surprising. Mm-hmm. Santos hasn't been good. Uh, but I chose Medlin because I thought he'd be good. I chose Santos because I wanted him to be good. So I guess in that sense, the the general failure of Sergio Santos this year uh, is probably slightly more troubling. Okay. Proceed to your topic. All right. So I, um, you're going to have to bear with me uh, on this. I'm going to have to explain my thinking. So I was on Jonah Carey's podcast on Monday, and I was trying to – very clumsily. By the way, if anybody ever wants to hear me speak about uh, real baseball topics that I have not been prepped on uh, and uh, um, uh, try to make it through long uh, paragraphs on such topics, you can do that. Um, I don't know how it turned out. Uh, I was um, essentially, uh, when I start talking about baseball in such context, I have to basically hold my breath and I uh, like I sort of stop breathing because I don't know if I'm going to make to the end of the paragraph. And so it's like I'm swimming underwater for a really long time because I don't know if there's an end to that cave, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, midway through the paragraph, my brain starts losing oxygen and I quit <laughs> hearing what I'm saying. Uh, so I actually have no idea how these things go. I tried. Um, and so anyway, you can go listen to it. But uh, at one point I was trying to articulate. Um, my feelings on the Brewers as a trade deadline candidate. Uh, and uh, so I, I didn't do a great job of, art, of articulating it. And so then as I was walking later tonight, I was sort of thinking about it on this scale. And so uh, so here's the here's basically where, where I was thinking of it as. Okay, so say you want to get, um, say you want to trade for a player because you consider yourself a contender. If you want, I'm going to say that all players fit into one, into categories. We'll name them one, two, three, four, and five. One is basically a bad reliever, or a fifth outfielder, or a bench bat. Basically, a guy who's nothing. You know, replacement level veteran, more or mm-hmm. less. Uh, so that's a one. Five is an is an ace. Five is an MVP candidate. Five is a star. Uh, three is an average player. Two is basically like a, a, a you know a bad starting pitcher or a pretty good fourth outfielder slash second division uh, uh, outfielder. Uh, you know, uh, 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 Lugie would be a two, and then a four would basically be like an all-star level player, a you know a Shane Victorino, a Hunter Pence kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one, two, three, four, five. So uh, I think that, and this map is not to scale, but let's say that you can get a one. Basically, for a one, you can trade. If you need a one, if you if you decide all your team needs uh, this year is a one, uh, you can get a one by giving up basically a one's worth of talent. You trade your one for their one. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you want a two, you have to give up a little more, but but it's not linear. So it's not that you have to give up a two. You now have to give up in in my way of thinking of it, sort of like you need to give up a a two next year and a two the year after. You have to give up two years worth of twos, more or less. Uh, if you want a three, you have to give up three years worth of threes 
because you're giving up better prospects, more prospects, and this is a non-linear return. Uh, it's very hard to get a superstar in July. Um, so uh, five, you basically would give up 25 units to get your five, and you would deem it necessary because this is your year. Flags fly forever. Uh, you really need this part, and you're willing to sacrifice uh, you know, Jeff Bagwell or John Smoltz as a prospect in order to get your Doyle Alexander. Uh, so, so that's kind of my thinking. Now, obviously, not to scale, but that sort of makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're a team that sees itself uh, as, um, you know, maybe this year is, it, maybe this year you're kind of in contention, but you're not super in contention, or you are super in contention, but but next year is really your year, um, you know, like basically your, like last year's Pirates saw themselves, uh, you might consider yourselves only a, a in the market for ones. You're not willing to give up that high price for for guys quite yet. Whereas if you're a team that's old, is about to rebuild anyway, uh, you know, it's the last year before your Hall of Fame manager retires or, or something like that, um, uh, then you might be in the market even for a five. It might be worthwhile for you to get a five, but a five is going to be really, really expensive. So, so it's always this balance between how important this year is uh, to you and how important um, being competitive in the next few years is to you, right? So that mm-hmm. makes sense? I think so. I mean, I'd like to... So we're saying that the the better the player that you are targeting, trying to acquire, the less efficient the acquisition is, in a sense. Like, if you, if you were to compare historically trades that were made for bad players and for good players, that you are... You are asserting that the the wins, the number of wins on each end of that deal would be more lopsided for the the better player trades? I am asserting that, and mm-hmm. I'm asserting that the the lopsidedness comes kind of further out in the future. So mm-hmm. uh, you're much more likely to give up, for instance, an Addison Russell. Uh, you're gonna and you're gonna have to give up an Addison Russell, a guy who, you know, conceivably look, the A's could win this trade. And they could also have just given up a player who produces 25 wins uh, before he hits free agency, right? Both of those things are true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so lopsided in one way of looking at it, yes. However, the A's decided they needed, you know, what I would say in this context would be a four and a three. Um, and so maybe you put those together and that's a five. They made a five move. Mm-hmm. And for that, they gave up, you know, a, a five return. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know fifth or sixth best prospect in the game, which is unheard of to move that guy, especially at the trade deadline, especially in this era. So yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so the reason that I was thinking about this is because I was trying to express, I was trying to articulate that the Brewers strike me as a team that, uh, even though I don't particularly like them that much this year, um, I think they're you know more or less a 500 team uh, going forward. Um, I don't think that they have a particularly good future in the near term, and so I wouldn't be that that sad about them, um, you know, uh, feeling like this was their their you know they fluked their way into a window, and they mm-hmm. better take advantage of it. I don't know that I'd put them at a five for that reason, but I'm I'd be more eager uh, to see them make a move than I would if they had the number two farm system in baseball and mm-hmm. they fluked their way into this. So Who knows if they could make a five? Right, they might not have the 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 system to make a five. They probably mm-hmm. don't. But mm-hmm. you know, anyway, 
Uh, so, so the Brewers, though, to me would be a team that, uh, because of that, uh, I could talk myself into like uh, a four range for them. They have uh, a real strong incentive to play for this year and less incentive to uh, hold things back for the next few years. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to go through the contenders okay. and see what number you'd put on each of those. Mm. Okay. Is that, is that fair? Yes. All right, so there's uh, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 13, 14, 15. Jeez, that's too many. <laughs> there's so many, so there's many 16, teams that are still in it. 16 teams over 25%. So I guess, the, <laughs> let's see, we'll make the cutoff 30%. Okay. That pulls it down to 14 teams. All right, so less than half the league. <laughs> Barely. Yeah, but I want the Yankees in there. So 28, 28% is the cutoff. All right, mm-hmm. uh, all right Dodgers. Okay, uh, Dodgers. So I guess I'd put them at a. I could see them making a. I don't know, like a four move, maybe. Uh huh. Because they're they're kind of. Uh, I don't know. They're in a spot where they don't have a great system, but they're also very good right now. And in fact. Maybe I'd go to five just because they're the Dodgers and can spend as much money as they want. Maybe they're just an automatic five. Maybe they're always a five. So yeah, that when a, be, when a, yeah. you know, Jack Peterson comes along or someone like that who would certainly be a, a good Dodger and would be someone who would fit well on their roster in certain ways in the future, but they can always sign the best available outfielder, even if there aren't as many star free agents available in the typical offseason now as there there once were so maybe if you're the the dodgers and you're really good right now and you expect to continue to be really good because you have a pretty good talent base and a very high payroll maybe you're an automatic five yeah i think that i'd consider them a five just because the giants have put so much pressure on them uh if in, in a in the season we expected uh, they had a four or five game lead at this point, mm-hmm. and in that in that case, I wouldn't have put them on a five. I would have said just getting to a, a full series um, is enough of a victory that they don't need to necessarily um, you know mortgage anything. But uh, considering that it could be a, a real dogfight and the Giants put a lot of pressure on them, I would also say they're a five. So uh, Giants. Hmm. Giants. I'll say that they. Again, I don't I don't know that they're necessarily capable of a five move, but I think they're they're kind of in the position where uh, I wouldn't say they've lucked into contending, but they've they've maybe lucked a little bit into coming closer than than we expected them to. They're better than they were generally expected to be. So, hmm, maybe a at least a four. Yeah, they had a you know they haven't really developed a whole lot in the last three years, and they don't have they don't look like they're going to develop a whole lot in the next three years. Mm-hmm. They had a, a in 2010, enough of their core was young and under cost control that it looked like okay, they had a real serious five year window with the group that they had, uh, and there's like a couple you know a, another year or two of that window, but uh, then really nothing coming after that. They've shown that they can make smart moves. But now they, they really have the pressure is on them to make smart moves. They have to assume that they're going to make a lot of smart moves if they're going to keep this pretty good run going beyond you know 2015 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would imagine that they uh, I, I would say that they should you know be realistic about the chance that 2016 might suck regardless. 
and just go ahead and play for it. So I would say that they're uh, uh, probably a four if they mm-hmm. can pull it off. Yeah. Uh, all right, Cardinals. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Cardinals. Maybe a. Maybe a three. They've. They've. Uh, let's see. The Cardinals playoff odds or their division odds now are just about fifty-fifty coming into Monday, and. Of course, they've got tons of young talent, um, but they've also got, and so they don't have to make a, a major move necessarily, but they also have so much talent that maybe they have the ability to trade a, a good player and not really suffer for it if they have a, a weakness at a certain position where they don't have a young guy they can just slot in. So I'll say I'll say three. I, I, there's, a, there's been a little bit less... Um, kind of momentum on the Cardinals train lately mm-hmm. um, and you know Shelby Miller is breaking and Michael Walker is slightly broken and Oscar Tavares is uh, you know I think after 80 played appearances we can pretty much call the end <laughs> yeah, that experiment seems fair so uh, so there's not any longer this feeling that they're absolutely going to be contenders every year for the next 14 Um However, I still think that they... I think they probably still should be. (laughs) They should be. Yeah, yeah. they should be. They have enough in the system. And they just won a World Series like 40 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. So if I were them, I would not. I'd put them at one, one, maybe two at this point. Hmm. I'd be looking for, uh, I don't know, a backup loogie maybe or something like that. But, I mean, actually, George Kataris is pretty much the perfect move (laughs) for them. Really Mm -hmm. rounds them off. Uh, Mm -hmm. In fact, I think that in in the annual... Uh, we wrote in one of their player comments that the uh, that the backup catcher position was the only place that they were yes. not practically perfect. That's right. And Tony and, Cruz has, as I've written a couple of times, has been one of the, the least used players okay. in baseball, which always amuses me. But of course, now he's in a position where he's playing every day. Yeah. Uh, so that's a possible exposure. Yeah. All right. Brewers. Uh, I'll just go. I'm going to say five on Brewers. I think yeah, I, we were we were united in our negativity about the Brewers heading into this year. So, I am I am with you on that. Pirates. Uh, pirates. I don't. Mm, I'm kind of. I don't know how how strong a contender I consider the Pirates. They're kind of in the. I guess their their playoff odds are in the what the forty percent range, 40%, but their yeah, division division, and they basically uh, the Reds, Pirates, and Brewers all project to essentially be the same, you know, slightly better than five hundred team going forward. Yeah. So if uh, they're not, if you don't consider them contenders this year, though, do you consider them contenders next year? I mean, is there enough at the higher levels that you see them adding twelve wins just by promotions and development? In the next year or two, I could envision that. Yeah, and, and I don't do you, know. Just, I mean, so, do you see a powerhouse coming, or do you see this being a team whose window is, you know, an eighty-four to eighty-six win team? In a couple years, they kind of get lucky because if it's the latter, mm-hmm. and it might be the latter, I don't know that I'm. I'm not sure. I'm conv- like they. They've had very good farm systems, mm-hmm. top, you know, top top five farm systems. But it's not like this is not like the farm system to end all farm systems, and they still have very you know very low margins. They, um, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to afford to go out and get a lot of contributing pieces. Um, 
and the ones that they do all have to hit. You know, they you know they've had some good ones. They've shown the ability to to make smart moves, but I don't know that I see. I don't know that I see a 96-win team in the future, like, by default. Mm-hmm. No, neither do I. I, I would, I'd expect them to be in the mix for the foreseeable future, but not an overwhelming favorite. Yeah, I'd say two or three on them. Mm-hmm. More Sounds than last fun. year, more than last year, but, but yeah, they're, they're, their small margins make it hard to, 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 to root for them to do anything too drastic uh reds uh reds have 33 percent playoff odds 13 percent for the division and um you know projected basically like i said be between the brewers and the pirates for the rest of the season yeah i i like i like the reds roster um i but without uh, you know with vado and phillips hurt right change things for you i mean that's that's baked into the project to the playoff odds to be clear yes um I I would make I would make a significant move. I think I'd be willing to. I'd make a three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't. I have not. I have not looked enough at the Reds <laughs> to, to have a strong opinion. I don't know. I feel like I know all the Reds, but I don't know what. Like I feel like I've looked at all the Just pieces. Imagine that I, I haven't looked. Imagine at the that I'm box. Jonah Carey and I'm asking you this question. Hold your breath and start speaking. <laughs> Uh, put me down for two for the Reds. Okay. Not feeling it. Not feeling okay. it. R- okay. I think RJ more than me is, and RJ's better at looking at the picture on the box than I am. But mm-hmm. uh, Nationals, eighty-four percent playoff odds, sixty-seven percent division, uh, and just below the Dodgers for best expected winning percentage for the rest of the season in the National League. If the Nationals needed to do something significant, I'd say that they should. I don't, I, I don't know that there is that thing. I, I don't know that there's really anything significant they need to do. So if they were in their current position but had a gaping hole somewhere instead of a surplus of good players, then then I'd say that they should be willing to make a, a four or a five because this is a team that uh, you know has expected has maybe been expected to perform a bit better than it has and and is right in the middle of the period in which it's expected to to be all coming together. So if there were something significant they needed to do, I'd say that they are a team that should, but I don't know that there is that thing for them. Yeah, a lot of guys on that team between mm-hmm. 24 and 30. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, yeah, I guess that's probably true. Uh, you can always find a thing you need, but yeah, you're right. It, yeah, I don't think not a five. Not a five. You're right. So um, yeah, you're probably right. I, I feel like that exactly like you said. All by the math that we're using, they could justify more. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it feels like realistically, there's not anything better than a two or a yeah. three that would be that would apply to them. Uh, Braves, sixty-five percent. Um, Braves have a. A bright future. They've they got do. their their young core locked up for quite a while, so I don't think they need to do anything huge. Um, then again, I mean, I, I guess they're in the position where they're kind of in a dead heat more or less right now with the Nationals, and so every win matters a lot to them potentially. But um, but they're also not a 
not necessarily a team whose window is closing anytime soon either. So I guess I'd put them at a three. The Braves have to just almost be on tilt at this point. Because when I did that thing not long ago about the the best team since some arbitrary date, and I went back and saw how many teams could say they were the best team since since mm-hmm. some date, and there were like 16 teams or whatever. The Braves were the best team since like 2009 or 2010. I mean, they've been better than than the Cardinals, than the the Yankees over a certain date, than the you know than the Giants, than the the Rays, than the Red Sox, than all these teams. And like the Giants have won like 30 some postseason games, mm-hmm. and the Braves have won two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think. I wrote something about the the A's for Grantland's second half preview last week, and about just how they've had a bunch of played appear uh, had a bunch of playoff appearances without getting deep into the playoffs. And I think the Braves and the Cubs are tied for the most most playoff appearances since their last World Series victory, because the Braves they won in '95 and they've just oh, well. The, the I mean, Rays and the Cubs. It's a, a little bit different, but that's but, a fun fact. Yeah, it is. But um, of course, the the Rays won ninety five, and they've made the playoffs. You know, except for a little lull there, they've made the playoffs just about every year since then, and and they uh, just haven't had much luck in the playoffs. So, so that's frustrating for them. But again, I don't know that they're a team that needs to be doing anything desperate. Yeah, I, I, the question is, I, I think that they do need to do something to overtake the Nationals. To me, it seems, mm-hmm. and, and I, maybe I should have learned from our mistakes, because we say this every year, but it seems to me the Nationals are clearly a superior team to them. Mm-hmm. The question is whether doing something would, would erase that. I mean, it would certainly help. It would certainly help them uh, finish ahead of the Nationals, but, you know, it'd be a shame to sacrifice a bunch of stuff, and then you still just end up in the same wild card game. Yeah. Uh, that you were going to be in anyway. Uh, yeah, I'd put I mean, I'd put the Braves at. Uh, I'd I'd actually would like to see the Braves be aggressive. I'd put the Braves at a three or a four. Uh huh. Yeah, I put them at a three. And and uh, I mean they're right now they are a game back of the Nationals, but according to the the playoff odds expected win winning percentage column, which is does not consider strength of schedule, just just strength of team. Uh, the the Nationals are like 50 points of winning percentage, projected winning percentage, higher than the Braves, which would be, I mean, maybe that overstates the gap, but if that is the actual gap, it would be difficult to to do much to shrink it with a, a trade deadline move. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, A's, 99.6% playoff chances, uh, but only 58% division chances. Of course, they've already made a yeah. four or a five. Right, Um yeah, they've already done that, and I. But that doesn't that you could argue that that is the opposite that that justifies another five more than it discourages it. I mean, you could argue that I'm not arguing it, but mm-hmm. you could argue that doing a move, you know, going for it means go for it. Mm-hmm. No half measures, Ben. No half measures. Sure, you could, and uh, and the A's because they've built in this weird way that rj anderson has chronicled the bp where they've traded all their prospects for other teams players they don't really have a ton of guys locked up long term or or a ton of really young cost controlled players so you could say that maybe their their window is limited of course they've 
managed to make a window where no one really saw one opening. So it's also hard to say that they couldn't continue to keep it open. But but yeah, I mean, they're, they have been the best team in baseball so far, and yet they are in the division with maybe the second team in baseball, second best team in baseball so far. So that is an argument to to do something, I suppose, just because they've they've already committed so much. And as you said, the the odds are not nearly as good as you would expect based on how good they've been that they'll win the division. And there's a big difference in expected World Series winning percentage between winning the division and and making a wild card appearance. So so sure, um, I don't know how many glaring holes they have. I guess there's the second base hole. So I'd I'd say that they could make a they could make a move for a a four second baseman if that guy were out there. I wouldn't I wouldn't object. There's a lot of four second there are four second basemen. I mean yeah. that's Zobris so or Utley or whoever. Yeah. Utley is a four and Murphy's a three at least. Mm-hmm. Uh does Murphy still play second base? Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh <laughs> <laughs> hard hitting analysis. Uh, all right. Um, and just curious, let's say they don't make a move. How many, how many, uh, in the next five years, I'll ask you that question we answered about the Pirates once. In the next five years, how many postseasons will the A's make if, if, if they don't trade anything else away this offseason, or this, this, this summer? Mm, two. Two out of five. Well, yeah. All right. So then if, if it's two out of five, then I would say there are four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Angels, 99% playoff odds, 40% division, and the best expected winning percentage in the American League going yeah. forward. Uh, hmm. So I guess I'd say that, I mean, again, it's, it's a case where there's no way they could make a five, because especially after the trade they just made, there's very little appealing remaining in their system so they maybe even more than the brewers have no ability to make a five but maybe they're in a spot where they would be willing to if they could yeah they seem to they seem to perpetually be in a five mode Mm -hmm. uh probably with justification and to some degree it's been their doom and their downfall and to some degree it's been something they've kind of been able to outrun so um I guess that I, if it were a starting pitcher, I'd I'd put a five on them at this point. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, unless unless they find someone who really wants Houston Street, they probably <laughs> don't have the pieces to get mm-hmm. a five. Mariners, forty-one percent. Uh, on the Angels, does the does the Angels trade for Street support the the hypothesis about the the trade sides being more lopsided as the players get better? Because we were. We were talking about how maybe they surveyed the market and they found that they couldn't afford a starting pitcher. And so they went with the bullpen guy because they figured that if you can't upgrade the rotation, you can upgrade the the bullpen. And maybe if you're very likely to be in the wildcard game as they are, maybe upgrading the bullpen is is a good thing. Having a good bullpen allows you to go head to head with Felix or whatever ace you'll be facing in in that game. But they did have to give up a fair amount for that guy. I don't know what what is Street on the scale because he is just a reliever, but he's also closer. Yeah. Uh, he's he's somewhere between a three or a four. He's at the very high end of three for uh, 
for performance and perhaps a four mm -hmm. or a very toward the low end of four for public image and perhaps a three. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. That fits. So, all right. Mariners. Um, 40, 41% uh, playoff odds uh, and, and now down to 0.3% division. So they have a pretty good chance of flipping a coin. Yeah. And no chance of getting an automatic berth. Hmm. Uh, so they came into the year with with promising young players, and yet no sense really that they definitely had a core that would become a contender. Um, and maybe they've they've gone some way toward toward suggesting that they do have that talent that could continue to contend. But uh, I mean, I I don't love their their chances. But I would say, uh, I'd say that they should be willing to to make a four move. I think uh, I would guess that that this beleaguered front office would be willing to make a four move. Yeah, you're probably right about that. I just don't know that I could ever make a four if I knew that my ceiling was the coin flip game. Yeah, I just don't know that I could do it. I mean, to invest in a season that. Uh, only goes an extra 14 hours or whatever it, yeah. it's just it would break my heart mm. and so i don't know that i could ever do it i could i could although you do have maybe the best pitcher in baseball in that game uh no you don't you have well you maybe, have the best pitcher in the league let's say you you have maybe the best pitcher in the league but you you need the rotation to line up for it <laughs> yes to happen. Right. uh although iwakuma is is yeah. like you know one of the eight best or something so uh, I mean, yeah, they'll look good in that game, but um, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I can't go higher than two or three on mm -hmm. that. It's understandable. Um, and, you know, when they signed Cano, everybody was, uh, it seemed like everybody was flipping out and saying, oh, but their window's not till 2015. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I didn't I didn't really see that window necessarily coming. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I necessarily agreed with that assessment. However, uh, if that's the case, then their windows next year, Ben. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Tigers, ninety percent playoff odds, eighty-four percent division. Uh, it's another victory lap this summer um, for a team that's been to the World Series a bunch. Mm -hmm. uh, thoughts? Well, I'd say they'd be on the upper end of the scale in the sense that they are getting older and don't have the best farm system and. Maybe their window is kind of closing. So in that sense, I'd say they should be willing to do anything. Then again, they are one of the safer bets to make the playoffs. So you'd have to be convinced that the player you were acquiring gave you a much better chance to win once you're there in order to do that. But uh, I guess if, if I were the Tigers and I have a high payroll and I'm always trying to be competitive and have a bunch of, of guys who are kind of on the downside and this is the back end of their window, then I would, I'd say they should, they should make the, the big move if it came along and they could. Yeah, I think that they're comfortable enough for the next couple years that they actually should be building. Right now they should just kind of be taking it easy, taking their free pass into the postseason and investing what they can into like if I were them, I'd be doing stealth rebuild right now when nobody mm -hmm. was looking, um, and then I just Which sort was of maybe what the Fister trade was. 
Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah. And uh, so I would not, I would, I'd put them at like a one. The only reason I'd put them any higher than that is if I was the owner and I was starting to get nervous about my mortality and I really mm -hmm. wanted a World Series uh, mm -hmm. that badly. And I was willing to basically ruin the franchise for the next guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as the health of the franchise, if I were them, I just really wouldn't do a doggone thing. To me, that's a, a one I'd pass on all opportunities. Mm. Okay. Uh, Orioles, 53%. 40, 43% for the division, uh, but a expected winning percentage below 500 from this point forward. Uh, I mean, the thing is, how often are the Orioles in this strong a position? Well, this is part of what got me thinking about this topic, because you remember what I said in... Well, actually, it was like around episode six, I think, of this show, but we almost talked about it in episode one. We chose your topic, which at the time we were... Remember, do you remember we were each bringing a topic <laughs> and then choosing which one to talk about? Yes. Remember that? Yeah. The first of many formats this show is, <laughs> has done. Mm -hmm. uh, and when we eventually talked about the Orioles a few days later, I was making the case that they were never going to be competitive again. That was their only chance, and that they should have traded, you know, they should do any, they should trade Machado and Bundy, like right then. Just <laughs> make that their year. They were going to be horrible forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, clearly, that turned out to be wrong, like way wrong. Um, but uh, so, so I don't know that I'm necessarily going to. They could have, I mean, they could easily have a three aces situation i mean it's yeah. doesn't even take much imagination to get them to a three aces situation mm -hmm. in a you know in in for for the next four years or something right, starting yeah. you know Gossman, the year after bundy harvey of course it's maybe it's hard to imagine if you're an orioles fan and you haven't seen them develop a good starting pitching a pitcher in a while but but maybe that makes you more likely to dream about that scenario so so yeah that's possible and of course there are guys like davis and Weeders, who's hurt anyway, who who are getting closer to free agency, but every team has someone like that, I suppose. So, uh, I'd say I'd say four, just because just because it is a division where you get outspent a lot, and um, this kind of opportunity can't necessarily be counted on, and. They've been kind of waiting for this core to come together for a while, and it hasn't really fired on all cylinders at any point, and it, it could. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't trade one of those three starting pitchers. So maybe that means that I couldn't make a four, because you'd probably have to trade one of those guys at least to make a four. So maybe a three. Yeah, I think a three. I think like an AJ Burnett is a is a classic three, mm -hmm. and I think that's just about right for them. Yeah. And the la the last one, um, well, no, I, I do want to do the Yankees. So uh, we'll do two more. Blue Jays, thirty four percent, twenty six percent to win the division, and uh, five thirteen winning percentage expected at this point forward. <sighs> Blue Jays. Um, so they've got the same the same pressure as the Orioles, and they've already traded a lot of prospects to put this current team together and they're coming off the disappointment of last year. A lot of these guys are maybe getting a little bit older. So I, I think I'd be more willing to make a move if I were the Blue Jays than the Orioles. Um, so I'll say a 3.5. 
Okay. And the Yankees? Uh, the Yankees are about 28, 29% to make the playoffs, 22% to win the division, and something of a Dodgers situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're probably pretty close to an automatic five, or at least they've they've acted as if they are. Maybe that hasn't worked out so well lately. Maybe they shouldn't do that. Um, but Yeah, it doesn't get... What's your take? It doesn't get better next year, does it? Uh, probably not. I mean, no. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not sure what the Yankees should do. I think the Yankees should sign a bunch of good players and have them be good. That was my recommendation last winter. Yeah, but you didn't clarify, Ben, that they need to be good. Mm. They need to they need to play well. Didn't I? Didn't I? I said they should sign all the good players. Yeah, but then no, and they need to play oh. good. Uh, I see. Okay, I left that out. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I. I don't. I. I. I've never. I've never lived like a Yankee. I can't tell a Yankee <laughs> how to live. <laughs> well, the Yankees. The Yankees way. You approve of the Yankees way. And the Yankees' That's, way is to is to be a five team that yeah, makes five right. moves. That's a good point. All right. So <laughs> okay. that sure the Yankees are a five. Ted, yeah, sure the Yankees are a five. All right. That's the end of the show. Okay. So any any GMs on the fence wondering what to do in the next ten days, uh, you're welcome for for the answer. Um, so please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to baseballreference.com. Subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. Tomorrow is the listener email show. We still need some emails, so please send them to podcast at baseballperspectus.com.